We're in the middle of a sermon series on generous God, generous people. So I'm going to be um, continuing with that this morning. And I'm going to start out with what, if I were more generous, I, I, I would say these, these were points that uh, I want to emphasize that Ian brought last week. But if I'm being less generous, he stole from me. <laughs> so <clears throat> ways that we can be generous. Often when we talk about generosity, we can think about it's just about money. But actually, there's lots of ways that we can be generous. We can be generous with money, with our time, with our energy, with our emotions, with lots and lots of things. And there are seasons of life. So, I mean, I've given three rather some little examples there. So perhaps when you're young, maybe as a student or just starting out in life, you've got lots of energy because you're young, but maybe you don't have very much money and you're very busy because you have lots, uh, you don't have much time. Perhaps for some of us at the other end of, of our life seasons, when we're retired, there's plenty of time, but the energy that we used to have when we were young has seeped away and the money isn't quite as plentiful as it was. And I feel like I'm at an in-between season where I actually have a reasonable amount of money, but I have absolutely no time, and most of the time I have absolutely no energy. And so we're all of us at different seasons in life. I can remember very clearly when we were in our late 20s, a a real cut-off because we suddenly got two salaries, but we started renovating a house. And so suddenly we went from having lots lots of time but very little money to having more money but no time whatsoever. There are these seasons... So as I talk about generosity, let's just think about whatever season you're in, everybody has something to give, uh, but it may not be the amount that we would be able to give in other seasons. So let's just um, think about that. And it's not about the amount we give, but it's about the sacrifice. So there's this uh, lovely story in Matthew. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had to live on. It's about how much we are trusting in God, how much we are giving to him. The world would say you're only worth something if you're going to give big numbers in money. But actually, we regard it as precious when we see the sacrifices of the poor. And we have an example of that in this building. If you go to many buildings, many public buildings, you will see as you walk in a plaque saying, funded by the generous gift from this individual or this foundation or this company. Whereas if you walk into our building, you'll see this. Many of you probably have walked past that and never looked about it, so I'm going to tell you briefly. When Alan and Richard were out in the villages in India a few years ago, maybe, well, quite a few years ago now, they were at this village called Dumda in Gujarat in India, This was a small uh, community, 
subsistence farmers just about growing whatever they could do to eat with very, very little. Their church was in the middle of a building project, which was unfinished, um, and we were, well, Alan was there ministering to them. When they heard about, we were also in a building project for this building that we're in, they, without any prompting, took up an offering uh, out of their poverty, and this is the money that they gave us. It's around about eight pounds. We could have just put this into the funds and forgotten about it. But actually, I am really glad to be in a church where we celebrate the fact that poor people out of their poverty gave to us, out of their, their, gener- their generosity so that we too can be generous to them in return. And we celebrate the gifts of the poor among us as well as the gifts of the rich. So I want to, before we go further, I want to have a brief word because often when we talk about this topic, there's the, the idea of the prosperity gospel comes in. I just want to just knock that one on the head before we go any further. This was a, a doctrine that came off in the church probably starting in the 1950s and became quite popular uh, towards the end of the, 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 the last century. And it's, it's something that distorts truth. It basically says that if we give to God, then he will give back to us. And that is a truth. But actually the motivation behind that was about, actually, it's almost like an investment scheme. If you give to this ministry, or you give to this, God will make you rich. And the the emphasis was about what we get in return, and was not about the giving glory to God. I don't think that poor widow put in her two copper coins as part of a, a, if I do that, God will make me rich. She was doing that out of her trust in, in, in God, and out of her, her total reliance on him. So everything we say later on, we're going to be talking about God giving to us and us giving to God. But I just wanted to knock this on the head because it's actually, it's all about God. It's all about our relationship with him. It's all about our trust in him. So in, pre- in preparation for this, I started to read Mark's gospel looking for examples of people who were generous. And actually God pointed out these three examples. I didn't get very far, as you can tell. (laughs) I actually got a lot further, but these were the ones that really stood out. And these are people who are not, we don't usually hear about that much. And they're they're sort of like side characters or incidents, attitudes, side characters when we're looking at other things. But when Jesus is calling the first disciples, he sees James and John and their father Zebedee, who between them had a fishing business. He calls James and John, and it says that that Zebedee let them go, and and Zebedee went back to work with the hired men on the boat. And actually, we just read over that. But I was thinking about this. And there's two aspects I want to bring out of this, this little, little tiny incident. The first one is, often when we see God's call on other people, we can be, or at least I, maybe, maybe it's just me, but, may, but we can be a little bit jealous of like, oh, God's called them, what's he got for me? 
And, but Zebedee, as far as we can see, didn't do that. And the second thing is, these, Zebedee had presumably been a fisherman all of his life. He's now presumably relatively old for those times. It's a hard life. A lot of the hard work would have been being done by his sons. And suddenly, he's now left with the hired men. And if we look, think of the story of the Good Shepherd, um, Jesus talks about the hired men being more unreliable. Um, he's left with the hired men and not with his sons. Perhaps his vision had been to, 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 uh, to grow his business and pass, to pass it on. Suddenly that's changed. There's generosity there in ways that he reacted. Second one is Peter's mother-in-law. We see her healed and we're often focused on the miracle of healing. But she immediately got up and started serving them. Now, I don't know about you, but when I've been ill... Even if God heals me miraculously, I'd still feel like I'm a little bit, well, I just want to just take it easy for a bit. But no, she got up and she started serving straight away. And the third one was, well, it starts off in this chapter. It says Jesus was at home. So I guess this is his family home when the crowds came in and people started to take off the roof to, to let down somebody on the stretcher. Now, I remember years ago, Ian doing a fantastic account of this where you could almost feel like the plaster dropping off the ceiling. But actually, if somebody starts demolishing my house as part of my as, as God moving, I don't think I would be very generous, right? I would be like, what do you think you're doing? Put it back, Right? This is a generosity. Jesus wasn't concerned about the house. He was concerned about healing the sick person. There are aspects in all of these stories where I feel that I'm not as generous as I might be. And so I want to look at that that next. There's this parable that Jesus tells, which we're going to read, about God's generosity to us and, well, in this case, the lack of generosity in return from a servant. And, and I want, it's a parable. It's, it's almost like a cartoon. It's, it, it puts the, the key elements of the story very bluntly in a way that in real life we would probably would, we would muddle and muddy. And it, it cuts out all the other details. So it looks like, it's like a, what, this is an obvious message. But actually in our, our real lives, These messages can be much more subtle. So let's read this together. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought who owed him 10,000 talents. I don't know quite how much this is, but it's a lot of money. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, much, much less. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. Haven't we just heard that before? 
he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and they reported to their master what had taken place. Then the master summoned him and said, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And the master delivered him into the jailers until he should pay his debt. The truth is, there was a debt that we all of us had that we could never pay. And that is the debt of sin and of separation from God. God, in his generosity, has paid that debt for us. But maybe I'm the only one that I can get too familiar with that truth. And I can, it becomes part of the fabric of my life. And I don't really think about it that much. And I take it for granted. And I stop, don't stop to think about the generosity that God had in bringing me from darkness into light, to taking me out of the miry clay and setting my feet on a rock, taking me from loneliness to set into a family. There is it's an amazing thing that God has done for us. And it's out of that that our response should be gener- being generous with everything that we have. So why didn't this servant forgive? The story is set up in such a way that it's obvious the parallel between the, 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 the servant and the master and the servant and the other servant. And I sort of started to think, well, why don't, why am I less generous than I should be? Well, one way could be bad experiences or hurts from his past. We all carry things from our past that, that actually affect us. When I was at school, I was quite badly bullied. Most of that has been dealt with by God, but sometimes I can have a strong negative reaction if I feel people are taking advantage of me. And I need to deal with that. That's an example of how I can react not out of generosity. It could be about anxiety for the future, about uh, God's provision. If I give this away, will God actually, what will I live on? Or what will, what, what will I be able to do? How will I be able to, to recover from, the, from all of the energy or whatever it might be? can just be habit. This servant was probably, had been in financial difficulties for some time and was just used to the fact that he needed to make sure everybody paid him, otherwise he would be uh, up the creek. And maybe it was just a habit reaction. and He hadn't actually fully appreciated the, the forgiveness and the generosity that the master or the king had shown to him. We can often be like that, that we that we sort of just get into this habit or this, this, this way of behaving. So if, and there's a bit, this, this, I, I deliberately put an if there, because of course it might be that all of you are super generous in absolutely every way possible. I know we are a very generous church. We've seen many, many examples of that. Maybe you're all generous in every way. and Maybe it's just me who finds myself not as generous as I could be. But maybe, maybe yeah, that's, maybe it is. So 
what about the sources of generosity? Now, the next two slides, I've got quite a few scriptures here, which you might, in your manual communities this week, you might want to have a look at and to unpick, or perhaps in your own quiet times, because I don't have time to do full justice to all of these. But the, the, what I want to bring out of this is the point we have already made, that our source of our generosity is God's generosity to us. So the first, these are all well-known verses. So the first one from Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So the context of this is about not being anxious for the future, not, not worrying about that because God will provide for all of our needs. Seek first the kingdom of God. It's as we keep our, our priority fixed on, on seeking God and not actually seeking things for our own benefit or for ourselves per se, that, that, that and as we seek his righteousness, God will provide for all of our needs. The second verse, it's a little one that slips in the middle of Romans 8. Romans 8 is a fantastic chapter where with huge amounts of powerful truth and great rhetoric. And we can just miss this verse as we, as we go through because there's just wave after wave of beautiful language. But he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? This really links the salvation that we have received from God to also to his provision for us. It's all down to what God provides. And finally, this is part of what Jesus was saying when he sent his disciples out to heal the sick and, and, and uh, drive out demons and proclaim the, the gospel. It's in the middle of this, these instructions. He says, freely you have received, now freely give. And that is the response to those, those the earlier two verses, that we have freely received salvation. God will provide all of our needs as we seek him and his kingdom and his righteousness. And then finally, there's this slightly longer passage. Again, this is just, I had to take a few verses out because we didn't have time to go into this in detail. But this is in the context of, a, of an offering that I think actually even was referred to again last week um, about an offering that the church took up. And perhaps as we move into November and our gift month, which is both for the church here and also for, for our family of churches in regions beyond, maybe this is something to be thinking about. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. Now, what's missed out there? I don't think anything is missed out. All grace, all sufficiency, all things, all times, every good work. That's a very, very all-encompassing statement. That you will be enriched in every way. So that might be money, it might be time, it might be energy, it might be emotions, in every way in order that you can be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, that's this offering that they've been, but it's also overflowing in many thanksgivings 
to God. You see there's a nice circle happening. It starts with God and it comes down to he gives to us, we give, and then thanksgiving comes to God. It's a very different circle from the circle of the prosperity gospel that starts with my need and ends up with my need. This is a circle that starts from God and his provision in our life in all grace, all sufficiency, all things, all times, that, that we may be enriched in every way so we can be generous in every way. So, I don't know about you, but there's things in there that I'm feeling provoked about. And as I have prepared this, and as I've come before God, I've just had this revelation of the weight of the goodness of God. And so what I'd like is if, Lindsay, you can come back up. And there's a song that we go, that she, Lindsay is going to minister to us about the goodness of God. Yeah. And maybe if all of us, we just, we will join in later, but just pause. Because what I want is to allow God to speak to us all about his goodness and about his faithfulness and about all that he has provided. And I want you us to all get that revelation as, as Lindsay ministers to us um, so that, and just, just focus on these words and allow God to come and show you his goodness and his faithfulness to you.